Good morning, church. So it's like a delayed reaction, but we're waking up. It's good. Hey, as you're able, stand with us. We're going to kick it off. Focusing our hearts and our minds on the Lord as we simply proclaim him as the way, the truth, and the life. So we invite you right where you are. Join in and attune your hearts to the Lord this morning. We've got nothing back here, Nick. You are my portion, you are my hiding place. 
I give thanks to God that his mercies are indeed new every morning? Because I don't know about you guys, I need those mercies every single morning, right? If you feel so led, take some time between you and God for a moment. Thirst for a drink. 
as we sing this next song, I don't want you to focus so much on the words of the song or the song itself. It's simply a catalyst to give you an opportunity to spend some time between you and the Lord. And I just want to open up that opportunity as we sing this song. Maybe you want to pray for our nation, the future. Maybe there's something going on in your heart, in your mind, in your personal life. Just take some time, enjoy, welcome in the presence of God into whatever that circumstance that is on your heart this morning. Ooh. 
thank you so much that despite technology, things may be going wrong according to our plans, God, you're still sovereign, you're still in control, and you can use this time. We thank you for this time. We welcome your spirit. We know that you are here. I want to invite you in to interact with us on an individual level. I invite you to meet each person right where they are in a way that each person can individually understand. You're so beautiful in the way that you can communicate to us on individual levels. And I, and I give you praise and I give you thanks for that. And we want to invite you in in that way, in that tangible way. Bring forth an anointing upon this service. We long to hear from you. We long to hear your truth. We long to hear what you have for us as your people. We know that you are bigger than our faults. We know that you are bigger than our circumstance. We offer it all up to you for your glory. And we give this time to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. You can be seated. How fast do slugs move? Hey, Mom, do you remember how to do sixth grade math? How do I do this worksheet? What's the meaning of life? So how do you spell exact? How do you spell anti-disestablishmentarianism? <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, if you've been here or watching online over the last couple of weeks, you've seen a couple different of our study hall videos, and it's incredible. Three different families helping film promos, none of them acting. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, but we do have our study hall going. This would be week three coming up on Wednesday, three to six, uh, for first grade through 12th grade. Uh, you can come here. We have the auditorium, the overflow room set up as a homework space. Uh, and then about halfway through, we, we offer students, if they want to head upstairs, kids to the elementary to the kids' room, middle school and high school to the youth room, to be able to hang out with one another, to be able to enjoy some of that. But here's, this is going to sound crazy. And I apologize, the last couple weeks I probably didn't, I probably didn't state this. Um, if you're coming for study hall, bring some homework. All right? High schoolers, bring some homework. Uh, and then we'll hang out. Uh, but we'd love to see you. If you need to get out of the house, parents, if you need them to get out of the house for a little bit, uh, we'd love to see you. Uh, we have some other stuff going on that we wanted to let you know about. Uh, so welcome. Uh, I'm excited. Today is our first day of kids and youth in person on Sunday back. Uh, super exciting. Kids are already upstairs doing their thing. Uh, and in just a couple moments, I'll release the middle school to go. Uh, if you interact with me this morning, I smell. That's because we have campfires out back. Um, so middle schoolers, you're going to be able to head out in just a few minutes. We've got campfires, muffins. We've got a whole hot chocolate bar. Uh, if you're in high school and you're here or online, I uh, want to invite you, stick around or show up for second service, and we'll do the same thing uh, for our high school during that time, which is at 1030 now. Uh, but a few other things uh, that are happening. In addition, I can't, I'm, I'll admit youth has kind of taken over announcements a little bit this morning. Um, so we're back, and then in two weeks, or a week and a half, our midweek program called Impact for middle school and high schoolers is back. Uh, high schoolers, our first day for 9th through 12th grade is October 6th. That's a Tuesday. And then middle school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade on October 8th. That's a Thursday. Now, we've got a few extra things that we're doing this year to help keep everybody safe. We're going to be taking some temperatures at the door. If you look sick or if you feel sick, please 
Uh, stay home. We love you, but we don't want to spread anything. Uh, we'll be wearing masks while we're, while we're all together. We'll have small group rooms set up with plenty of room for everybody to spread out. But more than anything, we're just excited to have some sort of in-person youth ministry during our midweek program back. So that's October 6th and 8th, 6.30 to 8 o'clock here at Northview. We would love to see you there for that. Another middle, or another student ministry high school announcement. I am currently working with two other Converge Northwest churches uh, to plan a mission trip for next summer. The planning began before all of this craziness. We started planning, I think, like in January or February, and then it's all obviously gone a little bit crazy. We're calling it right now the Hope of Mexico because we're hoping to go to Mexico. Uh, but out in the lobby, if you are a high school student, the parent of a high school student, or are just curious about what this mission trip is, especially in light of everything that's going on, out in the lobby, you'll see a stack of these green papers. This has all of the beginning details about this mission trip. Um, we're hoping to go down uh, to the Tijuana area, partner with an organization called Caravan Ministries. Uh, for some of our students, they went last summer uh, on a big, we called it Serve. We went with 10 churches. We had 350 high school students. Uh, this is a little bit different. We're not camping like we did last time. We're staying with this organization. Three churches, no more than 100 people, so a much smaller group. Uh, but we're very excited. Rather than go through all of it, the information to begin your thought process about, wanting, about this trip is on this paper. If you have a high school student who is interested, or if you are a high school student that is interested, there are two informational meetings coming up in October. The information for that is on these that you need to sign up for, for either in person or online. Again, I'm going to stop talking about it. Grab this on your way out this morning and take a look at it. That has all of the information. Or if you're online and you're like, hey, I'm not there. I can't grab a piece of paper in person. Uh, it's on the website. So if you head to the website under the youth tab, there is information on this mission trip. Women, we have Bible studies starting back up. I believe it's starting this week on Thursday and then next Sunday, which is super exciting. Uh, want to encourage you to be part of it, whether or not you are comfortable joining in person or online. There are options for both. More than anything, find a way to get plugged in, to get connected. There's two awesome studies that are coming out. You can read more of it on the website. Uh, if you are here during first service, our women's director, Susan Weed, is right there. She would love to talk to you more about it if you have any questions. Um, but want, really want to encourage gals, please sign up. Please enjoy that time together. Whew, we're doing This is awesome. This is so cool, though. There's so much stuff going on because there's stuff happening. We went too long without it. Uh, if you are especially online, if you're joining us while the kids are back uh, in person, Kayla, our children's director, has continued online uh, resources. So if you're at home, kids, and you want to plug in, you still can or if you come for second service, there's still gonna be opportunities for you to head to the website, and there's still some online kids curriculum. Uh, and as always, we are just taking a, a pause from passing the buckets for our tithe and offering. There are boxes in the back you can give online or mail it in. Thank you, as always, for the incredible generosity uh, that you guys have shown, the obedience uh, over the last year. It's been absolutely incredible. Uh, would you join me in a word of prayer this morning? Jesus, thank you for the ability to, to connect, whether it's here in person or being able to stream online. Thank you that we can gather together as your body to study your word, to be encouraged in our walk with you. Lord, I pray over any financial gifts given today and this week. Uh, may you help us know how to use it. May we benefit your kingdom in this area 
on behalf of the money given. Be with us this morning in your son's name. Amen. Hey, if you're in middle school, head out those doors. Follow Zeb. Hot chocolate and muffins. I think I might go out there. That sounds good. Hey, worship was great this morning. Thank you, guys. That gal in the middle, she's kind of cute. I think I might ask her out for lunch. Hey, a couple things. Good morning, everybody. I'm just messing with you. A uh, couple things. Uh, last night we had a, a prayer time here, which was kind of a culmination of prayer that swept across the country. I don't know if you followed it all. You can look it up. But the return march was on the Mall of Washington, D.C. Uh, Jonathan Kahn and uh, Franklin Graham and the gang were doing that together. Fascinating. Not one blip in the press. You go on MSN or in it, nada, nothing. Not like, are you kidding me? So, uh, you know, it just shows the bias there. But uh, it was a great thing. Look it up, follow it. It, it was really cool. Prayer swept across our country yesterday. And I, I think God was really honored by it. So that's great. And we have something very exciting to announce this morning. We want to announce that James and Sarah Lund have accepted Norfu's offer to come on staff and be here with us. Is that cool or what? That's very cool. So uh, they are in Indiana. They will probably come about mid-November is when we're targeting it for them to get here. They've got to take care of some family things and stuff and get that all sorted out. One thing you can pray for uh, is housing. They will, they will need a place to rent when they first start out. And so if you've got options or things like that, if you could let us know and we can pray that way that God would provide as you know, uh, rent in Indiana is a little cheaper than rent in Seattle, right? And so they're experiencing a little bit of sticker shock as they try to look at places. And uh, you guys would understand that, right? So yeah, so if we could pray that way and, and think about if you've got any options, please, please let us know that. All right, uh, so Last week when we were talking, I said that we would uh, start Philippians next week. So we'll start the series of Philippians next week, and that will be communion. So uh, if you're watching this morning and you're at home, good morning, greetings to you. Make sure that next week you have the elements ready at home. We'll have them here for us as we're together. But we ended with that passage in 1 Peter, and uh, it signaled uh, to me a need to do some coaching for us as we go into the fall of 2020. I think there will be some things that uh, is go are going to happen. 2020, really, if you think about it, has been an amazing year so far, right? Uh, probably not one that we would have volunteered to go through, but uh, one that we got to experience. For most of us, I think it's been a pretty trying year. Uh, it's trying for you as you're sitting there wearing those masks, and we would kind of like to just get rid of this year and move forward, right? Just, okay. Can we please turn the page, right, kind of thing? And um, for me, 2020 kind of reminds me of a hike we did once with the youth group where we took the kids out and the youth group had, this was way back in the day, but they had never been camping or hiking. So we put this whole thing together and we went to Eastern Oregon, uh, the Wallow National Wilderness, Wallow National Forest. And we were gonna hike in a particular section called the Eagle Cap Wilderness and we were gonna go to Eagle Cap Lake. And uh, so I planned this whole thing out and we went and we had an old chuggy bus that barely made it up the hills that we were going and but we got there and we got the kids out bailed and and so we followed this stream up and it was about three miles and it was you know it was all uphill and 
and the kids were not that good at hiking and they were kind of puffing and tired and, and it was hot and there were some bugs and you know that kind of thing. And we come out into this meadow with some trees and there's this gorgeous camping spot. And they're like, whoo, yeah, oh, awesome. And so I had gone to the creek to get some water and I come back and they had thrown everything down there setting up their tents and they whoa, 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 what are you doing? And they said, well, we're setting up for camp. This is awesome. I said, no, 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 we're, we're not camping here. They said, well, what do you mean? Where, where are we camping? And I pointed and about a mile across the valley, there was this sheer rock wall, right? And as you looked at that rock wall, you could see the switchbacks going up that wall, right? And I said, we're going there. And they all groaned, right? I'll spare you the rest of the brutal details of the story. Needless to say, they all lived. But, um, you know, kind of, uh, I think that's what the, the fall looks like to us, right? We're looking at going into the and just groaning. Like, really? Uh, you know, do we have to do this? And the answer is yes, we really get to do this. And yes, the Lord will be with us. Uh, will it be hard? Yes, probably so. Uh, but that does not mean the Lord will not be at work. And that does not mean we will not experience him. So it will be valuable. So before we move into First Peter, let's pray. And then we'll pick that passage up again, all right? Lord, we seek you. Uh, the thing that you have that we don't is you know the future and we don't. And Lord, we have been... Uh, quite surprised and maybe even dismayed as to how this year has rolled out. And yet, Lord, we've wanted to be under your yoke. We've wanted to be under your leadership and, and trust you and follow closely as you lead us through, just like you read, led Israel through the Red Sea. We want to follow you. And so, Lord, as we're coming into the fall, recognize it may get more intense and it may get more pressured and it may get harder. And so as, we're, as that's possible... We want to think that through. Now, here's the piece, Lord, I need is I need you to connect with us. I need your manifest presence here this morning. I need you to be speaking to people and speaking into their hearts, their minds. You're really the coach, not me. And so as we walk through these passages, these verses, highlight, underline, um, have a conversation with people, Lord. And if it's completely separate to the message, that's fantastic. Uh, they'll know they've heard from you. And so we give that to you with great hope and ask this in your name. Amen. All right, so let's, we're in 1 Peter chapter 3. If you want to turn there with your Bibles or your phone or your memory, whichever one you want to do. But it reads like this. It says, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. It's talking about the opponents that the church was facing at that point. Uh, does the church have any opponents today? I'd say there's a few, right? So it says, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. And yet with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if it, that is God's will, than for doing evil. So here's what that whole passage of Peter is talking about. Don't, if you're being punished or you're being persecuted or oppressed because you've been an idiot you've been a sinner you've done dumb stuff and now you for example you've getting your butt thrown in jail for doing something illegal you weren't supposed to do there's no honor in that all right you aren't you aren't gaining brownie points for that uh, you don't get brownie points for being dumb okay what it says you get brownie points for is if you follow the lord and in that process you get reviled 
That's where it comes because he's supporting you in that. That's the whole argument in, in 1 Peter here that, that we're looking at. And what was going on here was the church that Peter was writing to uh, was facing persecution and it was rattling them. They had the picture, like we do, if I walk with God, I'm protected and I, nothing will, bad will come my way. The Bible never says that. does not say if we follow Christ, nothing bad will ever come our way. It says he will make all things good for those who love him. It doesn't mean all things we go through are good. And we've got to get that in our heads because we still hear it the other way. All right? So I just say in church, we've got to be mature enough and, and adept enough to be able to say some hard things come. I've got to lean into it. I've got to take it as from the Lord. And I've got to let the Lord steer me through that. I probably won't know how to do that. And so I, it's, it's the same thing. For, it's easy with all the things going on. It's very easy to be troubled in spirit and full of fear. It's much easier to react to the things in our culture with fear than it is with faith. Right? Uh, it's just really easy. You get rattled. Someone talks to you. Someone yells at you. The, you read a headline. An event occurs. Is this the end of the world? The yada, yada, yada. And it's just very easy to be full of anxiety. What am I going to wear today? What am I going to eat today? What am I going to da, 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 da. And the Bible says, hey, stop. Stop. God knows. He knows you. He knows where you are. He knows what you need. You need to trust him. And so Peter here is admonishing this church to honor Christ, the Lord, as, and the word here he uses is what? Holy. Notice he doesn't say happy. Okay? It's holy. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. And that, that significant word. In other words, pressing issues and troubled times do not give us permission to lose it. And I think sometimes we think it does. We are to be holy as Christ is holy. And we are to be ready with a de defense, but delivered with gentleness and respect. And almost always that has to do with your tongue, right? It's pretty hard to witness the people when you're yelling and screaming at them. The, the two, something's wrong with that. It doesn't quite go together, right? And so we have to figure out how to do that uh, under pressure. And that's when it's hardest to do. And I believe this instructs us as we go into the fall because I think there will be pressing issues as we go into the fall. Peter coaches the church further in chapter 4. Look at chapter 4. He'll be up on the screen for you. It says this. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And so what Peter is saying here is, uh, if he were talking to us as the American church, the American church, you've had it really good for a long time. And you've had enormous blessings. And you've had the favor of God. And a lot has gone well and right for you. But uh, things can turn. And when they do, or if they do, do not be surprised at the trial or the ordeal that's coming your way. Uh, we have a group of people in our world that we pray for all the time. It's called the Persecuted Church. And it's a church that lives in other parts of the world. They know exactly what this passage is talking about. We've not had that. And it's much harder to come uh, 
from good and move into the fire than it is to come from the fire and move into good, right? Our parents, our grandparents, for, for a lot of you, my parents, right? Um, they came out of the Great Depression. They knew deprivation, all right? They, they knew how to go with nothing. They knew how to save bent nails, right? Any of you grew up with parents or grandparents with the bent nail shelf, right? And the screws and the drawers and the, why? Because they knew what it was like to have nothing and they were appreciative of everything. You know, we, you would have breakfast and be and they go, this is awesome. We got breakfast, right? Most of us don't realize when we sit down and even just eat at McDonald's or wherever, that's better meal than most people have across the planet. And so it's hard when you've had a lot and then you go to nothing, right? But God has taken the church there before and he will take it there again. So I think these things speak to us about as a group as we head into the fall. And so with that in mind, I'd like to highlight three things that I think we need to focus on as we head into the fall, okay? So here's the three focus points for the fall. Number one, we need to remain steadfast. Okay? It's just really easy to get flaky. It's really easy to get wobbly. It's really easy to get full of anxiety. And that, what the Lord says is be steadfast. Number two, we have to stay united. That, I think we take our unity for granted. And we'll talk about that a little bit this morning. And then number three, we need to walk in a worthy manner. And we're going we're gonna to take a look at those three points this morning. So remember last week we left off with the question, what if it gets harder in the fall? And you all smiled and said, way to go, Steve. That's awesome. We'd love to hear it. You're such a great pastor. That's so cool. Keep going. No, no right? We all went, ah. <laughs> right? What are we going to do? Well, it, it very well might. It very well might. And the question is not whether it does or not. The question is, how will we respond, both individually and collectively as a group? How will we respond? How do we react? Well, the first thing that we're encouraged to do is to remain steadfast. All right, steadfast has a whole bunch of cousin words with it. You have steadfast, you have endurance, you have perseverance, you have all those words that are all kind of together. They're scattered all throughout the New Testament. It isn't just steadfastness for steadfastness sake, okay? I'll be steadfast. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is it's steadfast being steadfast in the work. In other words, read here grace. In the grace that God has given us as a church, in the grace that God has given us in our lives, we are to remain steadfast in that work, in that grace that he's doing. And so we're to remain steadfast in the grace of the Lord and steadfast in the hope of the Lord. Right? Just because Jesus doesn't match our timetable does not mean he's not coming back. Just because he's not acting the way we want him to act does not mean he's not listening to our prayer, right? We are nasty little critters in trying to manipulate God. You ever see an infant try and manipulate their parents, right? How do they do it? Right? And, they, and the, oh, you know, right? Especially if it's your first one, right? Always overreact on the first one. And by the fourth one, you're like, yeah, whatever, you know, <laughs> grow up, kid, right? But... But we have a tendency to try and manipulate. And, and Peter's here is saying that, hey, you need to treat 
Christ is holy. And what that means is God is, Jesus is our friend, he's our brother, our savior, but he is also Lord. And let's remember that he is Lord. Let's remember that he is Christ, the resurrected one, and we need to treat him as holy. Consider these verses about steadfastness. In 1 Corinthians, that famous chapter 15, here's the end of the chapter. Paul lays that all out, and then he says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Colossians 1.23, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. See how hope is tied to steadfastness there? Don't shift from the hope that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul's saying, walk in the same kind of hope I've had to walk in. It wasn't easy for Paul to do that. All right? Hebrews says this, chapter 6, So by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. And we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as the forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So these verses tell us that we are strongly encouraged to remain steadfast in the Lord and in our faith in the Lord Jesus. And again, this does not mean that all will go well for us. That is exactly what was tripping up the believers that Peter was writing to, and that's exactly what trips us up. And the encouragement and the command for them was to stay steadfast. In other words, stay solid, stay steady, stay focused, stay on the game, stay with the Lord, right? Don't get distracted. Don't wander off. Stay on task with him for what he's asked you to do. Look at what James says in this. Notice how this aims at the end of the course, not the middle or the three-quarter point. Most of us are good to the halfway point. You ever get in a project where you got halfway in and go, what in the world did I, why did I start this thing, right? Well, sometimes we can look at our faith that way. And James says this, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So God's looking at the whole run, and we've got to look at the whole run. And the issue of finishing well, uh, many people start well, very few finish well. And our goal is that we, as a faith community, would finish well together. James 5.7 later on says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. That's talking about Isaiah, who was sawn in two. That's talking about Jeremiah, who was banished and had ended up dying in Egypt. That's talking about Ezekiel, who went into exile into Babylon and wouldn't even his own people wouldn't even listen to him, and many others. Right? That's what he's talking about here. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So these verses, this theme. Uh, by the way, are very important to me personally um, as your pastor. And uh, the Lord underlined the theme for me when I first arrived at Northview as pastor. So I arrived at Northview on November, 4, November 8, 2004. That was my first day. Monday at the office, looking at the computer, going, what the heck am I supposed to do? 
Oh, it was great. And, uh, and so I came in November. In late January, early February, I wish I'd wrote the date down. I forget exactly when. But uh, Scott Box gave me a call. And Scott Box used to be the worship leader here at Northview. And so kid that came out of my youth group, wonderful friend, wonderful friends with his family, and a great relationship with him. And he had gone to George Fox to be their alumni director. And he calls me up one morning. And he calls me up and he says, hey, Steve, I got to talk to you. Great. What's up, dude? He says, oh, I had a dream about you. I said, well, that's kind of kinky. And uh, he says, shut up. You know, and I'm, you ever, where you're goofing around with somebody and all of a sudden you realize, whoa, this is really something much more serious. And I say, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Just, I was just goofing off. Sorry. Hold on, back up. Because I could tell he was really rattled. I mean, really shook up. And that's not like him to be that way. And, and so I said, ho, 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 slow down. I said, back up a second. What's going on? He said, dude, I, I had this dream last night. And he said, I can't tell you if that was real and right now is the dream or this is real and that was the dream. He said, I've never, I don't know what to do with this thing. And he said, I'm just freaked out. I said, well, all right, back up a little bit. Slow down a little. I said, why don't you start from the beginning and just tell me. And, and, uh, and so we were on, I won't give you all the details, but we were on a bus and there was no guy driving the bus and he couldn't figure that out. And I was yakking at Scott about when are you going to get over your hurt and disappointment, your bitterness and get back into ministry? Yeah, whatever, right? And then I went and sat down on the bus that had no seats and he didn't know how to do that. And then I was having a conversation with the guy who was driving the bus who wasn't the guy who was driving the bus. And it was kind of a amazing thing and then uh scott hears this voice and it says to him so did you hear what that guy says to you and scott said yeah that's mitch he always tells me that crap <laughs> i'm not supposed to say it on tv am i anyways that's what he said and uh and the voice said well actually that was me and scott said mitch i knew it was the lord he said i literally froze he said the hair went up he said i'm like i couldn't even turn around he said i didn't dare turn around and I suddenly realized I just said that to the Lord. And the Lord said, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, we, we're going to have a dialogue on this. Uh, he said, do you see that guy up there? He says, yeah, that's, that's Mitch. And he says, well, he says, I want you to, can you give him a message for me? And he said, uh, yes, Lord, I, I'd be glad to. He says, well, first of all, I want you to tell him I'm very proud of him as a son, which I'm like, oh, my gosh, the Lord would say about I would never say that about me. So I like, that was incredible. Number two, he's exactly where I want him to be. And number three, and Scott, this is really important. You need to tell him that he needs to remain very, very steadfast. And you need to say it to him three times. Can you do that for me? And Scott said, yes, I will. So he said, Mitch, I think I'm supposed to say something to you. And I said, well, you better, right? So Steve, you need to be very, very steadfast. Steve, the Lord wants you to know you need to be very, very, Mitch, you need to be very, very steadfast. And I said, is there anything else? He said, no, that's it. I said, okay, well, look, let's keep... Matter of fact, he called me last week and we were talking about this. And um, I said, you remember that dream? I said, I'm going to share that dream. He goes, oh my gosh, I'm still rattled by that thing. And uh, so we hung up. I said, hey, if the Lord gives you anything else, call me back or, you know, whatever. And so I'm thinking, right, I'm brand new in the church. I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, Norfew was as shaky as a leaf at that point. It was highly uh, questionable whether we were even going to make it. Remember Dan Sandy back then, right? And, and like, oh my gosh, ah! and, and uh, I thought, man, that can't be good. Something bad's going to happen, right? If you got to be really, <laughs> that's my first thought. And uh, so then we keep moving on. And then it was late May, early June. I, I don't remember, again, I forgot to write it down. But it was late May, early June. And 
Another uh, couple calls us, Wade and Violet Andrews, great friends of ours. Uh, matter of fact, I just talked to him two weeks ago. And uh, Wade called me up and said, hey, um, Steve, yeah, Wade, what's up? Uh, you think uh, Violet and I could have dinner with you and Pam? Sure, that'd be great. Okay, uh, I said, well, why don't you have Violet call Pam? All right, I'll do that. Thanks, Click. Holy cow, what's that about? Right, I thought, what in the world did we do? Did we sin against them? Or, oh, you ever get one of those calls? Right, like, ah, right? You can't match the tone to the person. It's like, that's not the way they talk to you. And so we get together uh, about three weeks later at our house, and uh, they came for dinner, and it was the most awkward, clumsy, herky-jerky, fumbling, worse than junior high kind of thing you've ever been in. Uh, like we'd get a you know question out, how's it going? Good. No, eat. Nobody's looking at each other. It's like this was just miserable. And Pam and I had racked our brains trying to think of what had we done, what had we said, or what what you know had we promised them something and not followed through. We couldn't figure out dinner finished. We get up, we go in the living room, and uh, finally I said, okay, time out, guys. I don't know what's going on, but I can't do this anymore. What in the world is wrong? Have we sinned against you? Violet bursts into tears, right? And, and Wade's going, tell him, tell him, tell him. And I'm thinking, ah, like this is going to be awful. And uh, she said, well, Steve, she said, you know our house, and their house was in Woodenville. We used to take our kids there at an indoor swimming pool. It was a beautiful thing. And uh, kids were little back then. And uh, she says, you know our house? And I'd help them in their house. And said, she says, you know, they had this beautiful wrought iron staircase that went upstairs to the second level, and their bedroom was right across the hall, and then the kids' bedrooms were down the hallway. She said, uh, we're, so we're in the house, and, um, uh, and oh, and she said, she said, well, Steve, I, I have to tell you something. I had a dream about you, and I said, well, that's kind of kinky, right? And I'm being consistent as an idiot, and, uh, and she said, stop it, you know, as a sister in lurking, right, <laughs> kind of deal, and oh, okay, I'm sorry. She said, well, you know our house, and she says, we're in bed sleeping, and I hear somebody in the house. And she said, not only do I hear somebody in the house, but Steve, I can hear them coming up the staircase. And she said, I'm in there, and I can see the light bouncing up through the cracks in the door. So I realize we've been broken into, and we're about to get burglarized. So she said, I am trying to wake Wade up. She said, so I'm jamming him with my elbow. And she's a little, little pipsqueak of a gal, right? And maybe weighs a buck ten. And, you know, just bam, bam. And Wade literally pulled his shirt up. And he goes black and blue from the armpit down to his hip. I mean, she had wasted him, right? And, um, and he wouldn't wake up. He was dead to the world. And so she sees the light come to the door. She said, I saw the doorknob turn. I said, what would you do? She said, I screamed and threw the blankets over my head. Right? Wah! Like this. And uh, it's much funnier when she does it. And, uh, and I said, well, what happened? And she said, well, the door, I heard this voice and it said, Violet. And she said, Steve, I knew it was the Lord. She said, I know, I know that voice. And so I peeked over the blanket, looking at the door. And she said, it was the most amazing thing. She said, there was nobody there, but there was somebody there. I could see him, but I couldn't see him. Like, I don't know how to explain that. And she said, there were waves of light coming into the room. And like they were moving, but they weren't. Like they were still, but they were moving. I don't know how to explain this. And the Lord looked at me and said, Violet, uh, 
you can come out. And so I, I pulled the blankets down, and he said, Violet, do you know Steve and Pam Mitchells? And I said, well, yes, Lord, they're our friends. We love them. Matter of fact, Lord, we were so excited when they were going to go to Norfolk, and we were going to go to Norfolk with them, and you wouldn't let us go, and we were really mad at you. And she said, then I realized I was yelling at the Lord, and I jumped back under the covers. <laughs> right? She said, the Lord said, Violet, come back out. And she came back out. She said, uh, would you do a favor for me? She says, well, yes, Lord, I'd be glad to. She said, would you be willing to take a message to Steve and Pam? And I said, well, yes, Lord. And she said, well, first of all, I want you to tell them that I'm very proud of them as a son. I'm like, wow. Secondly, I want you to tell them that he's exactly where I want him to be. And third, and Violet, this is really important. You need to tell him that he has to be very, very steadfast. Okay? And you need to repeat that to him three times. Can you do that for me? She says, yes, Lord, I'll do that. So she says, I have to tell you. So she starts telling me this. Pam and I are sitting there. Steve, you have to be very, very steadfast. Steve, you have to be very, very steadfast. Steve, you have to be very, very, the Lord wants you to be very, very steadfast. At this point, Pam and I are as white as her blouse this morning, right? Just like, ah, kind of thing. And she said, did I say something wrong? I said, no, let me tell you another story. So we told her the story about Scott. And then they're like, ah, and we all started crying, and we spent time praying together. And in the back of my mind, I've been holding that thought for 16 years. Why did the Lord go? That's very unusual, right? The Lord does not do that all the time. That is not common. But he went way out of his way to underline and underscore something, and the underscore was, you have to be very, very steadfast. And I've been watching for all these years, why? And I think that was given 16 years ago for me for this fall. As I watch where we're going as a country, as I watch what we're moving into the fall, I think that is for us. And so I share that um, with us this morning so that we can think that way. Speaking of being steadfast, um, it's hard to do that if you aren't prepared. And uh, I, I think it's wise and prudent just to stock up this fall on some basic essentials as we go into the fall. Uh, we've gone through the summer, right? We know what runs on commodities look like now. And we know that you have to do it beforehand. So my encouragement would be don't go overboard, but stock up on some basic essentials. Have some things in your home that you can fall back on. And the way to approach it would be to ask this question, what would I do if the power or water went out? If that was out, how would we get along here at our house? What would we do? And I think that's just a great question. There's people here at church who are really good at that. You can talk and get some. You don't have to discover it all yourself. Uh, if you want, you can just go Google emergency checklist or emergency preparedness list. You can find all kinds of stuff like that. And uh, you'll find a, a very helpful suggestions. Again, here the word is balance, right? We're going to have to balance as we go into, into the fall. But some, some basic preparation and provision stocking is wise and prudent, and I would encourage you to do so. Uh, it's easier to remain steadfast if you're prepared than if you're caught by surprise. So just a word to the wise there. But on a deeper level, there's another way to prep that's even more important than storing up food and water, and that is to prep spiritually. To be in the Word, reading the Bible on a daily basis and praying. You know, the Bible and prayer were made for times like this. This is when you do it. This is when you lock in. This is when you engage. And I want to encourage us to really dig down 
and, and rely on God and on his promises. Our hope must be built on the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the Lord Jesus, right? We are to treat him as holy, as we've already seen uh, in his returning. And again, husbands and wives, uh, I urge you with everything that's within me to, number one, begin to pray together. Number two, if you are, go farther in it. Uh, that is the anchor uh, to our church here. And I want to encourage you to do that. It's very important for us to seek him with all our hearts. We have to be in tune. We have to be listening. We have to set our hearts in obedience. Also, we have to stand in the gap for others, right? This is the time to be looking out, looking in your neighborhood, watching for people. We need to keep witnessing. We need to remain steadfast. The second point of importance going into this fall is we must maintain our unity in Christ. Uh, going back to 1 Peter, once again, he says this. Finally, this is in 3, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Right? We know the Beatitudes. Jesus said, bless those who persecute you. The unity of faith is highly emphasized throughout the New Testament. The major thought on unity is found in the book of Ephesians. This is in Ephesians chapter 4. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to measure of God's gift. In other words, we have different grace gifts. Now, we know that the church has been under attack and that the main goal of such warfare is the splitting of the church. And outward pressure certainly has been applied and will be applied again. But the deadlier form of warfare is internal warfare. The hardest warfare you ever face is the warfare that comes within your family, not outside of it. The hardest warfare we'll ever face from a church is what comes from us internally, not from the outside. And I think this fall will certainly test that. Because, uh, and you, you would ask the question, why? Well, because there's a lot of different opinions in our church. I don't know if you know that or not, but there are, right? And um, we do not have unanimity of opinion even on the staff, let alone the whole church. Right? So when you start really having discussions, stuff starts to go all over the place. And there's a lot of different positions that people take. Uh, COVID-19 quickly showed us how fast our unity can be shattered. Right? That, that's been incredible. That, and that's just one issue. There are elections this fall. Do you think there's some diversity of opinion on that one? Right? You bet your sweet bibby there is. By the way, speaking about that, uh, I, want, I want to encourage you all to do your civic duty and vote this fall. I will not tell you how to vote, but I will tell you that you need to vote. And I want to encourage you, if you're of voting age, if you haven't registered, to register and to do that. Uh, if you want to come up to me personally, I will tell you how I'm voting and why. Okay? I won't do it from the pulpit, but you can come and ask me and I'll let you know. But that's just another issue. There's the whole Black Lives Matter, social justice, defunding police departments issues, right? Again, how many opinions do you think there are on that one in our country right now? Is that polarized our country? Right? Absolutely. Huge discussion, huge issue. And there are more. And if we aren't careful to keep the main thing the main thing, we could shatter into a thousand little shards and pockets of disunity and just get offended and mad at each other and... and 
split and break off uh, because we're angry. Look at that list again. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. Notice the one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, all who's over all and through all. Jesus as Lord and Savior of the church is our message, but he's also our focal point. We're going to have to agree to disagree on some of these things and be willing to stay in fellowship in the Holy Spirit despite them. Right? And you're, that, that just means you might really disagree radically, but you've got to embrace the other person as a brother or sister in Christ. That is not easy. And have you tried that? Right? But it can be done. We need to keep the main thing the main thing. And what's that? Jesus came, right? And he's coming back. That's pretty simple. Look it out. Check it out in the New Testament. Take a piece. Jesus came. He's coming back. And we've got to anchor on that. Jesus is our main anchor. Jesus is our cornerstone. Everything else crashes or is crushed against that. When eternity rolls out, everything will be measured by how it bounced against the cornerstone. We must keep our eyes on him. So much more we could say. Third point as we roll through. I want to emphasize going into the fall is the emphasis then in walking in a worthy manner. Walking in a worthy manner. The passage we just used in Ephesians, these are the two verses. This is how it begins. It says this, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, this is the Apostle Paul talking, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. If you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, which most of us in the room do, by the way, if you don't, this would be a great time to ask him into your life. If you've been on the fringes, if you're out there, you know, floating around and yeah, well, I do the church thing. No, no, no. You don't get into heaven because you came to church. You get into heaven. The only way into heaven is through Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So you've got to go through the narrow gate, and that's Jesus. And if you aren't there, this is a great time to get there. You can say, Lord, you know what? I've sat out here. I no longer want to sit out in the fringe. I want to come to you. I want to ask that you'd save me. I want to surrender my life to you. You can do that this morning. You'll find a ready reception from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But um, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. If you know the Lord, you have a call on your life. And one of the calls is not so much your giftedness or your ministry or those kind of things. It's to walk in a manner worthy of him. This, cooperating with his, this is cooperating with his grace so that we would imitate him in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Of course, we have that down, right? Philippians 1 says this, Only let the manner of your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm. There's the word steadfast again. Notice how these things just keep looping over in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side. There's unity for the faith of the gospel and not frightened by, in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Colossians. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, 
for all endurance and patience with joy. Again, that's steadfastness. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. What we go through down here is nothing in comparison to what we will have in eternity. Paul calls these light and momentary afflictions. Now, they don't appear so light and momentary to us. But that's because we're looking only on this side of the coin. In comparison, if you could see what eternity was like versus this, it's not a big deal. That's what he's saying. Uh, First Thessalonians. For you know how like a father with his children we exhorted you, each one, and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Second Thessalonians. This evidence of the righteous, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also, and what's the word there? Suffering. Okay, so why such a strong emphasis on walking in a manner worthy of the Lord? And the answer to that is because it's not easy to. Right? Teachers always emphasize if there's something hard, you'll get this, you'll get this. Try again, try again, right? You'll get this, and that's what the New Testament is doing. You know, there's a new disease in our culture that's deadlier than COVID-19. Have you heard of it? It is. And you've said, well, what's that? It's called Facebook-itis. The deadly effects of this disease are that it paralyzes one's Christian moral character and allows and gives permission for the mouth to spew forth all kinds of malice, bitterness, slander, and anger. It is unbelievable what people are saying to each other online on Facebook and they are Christian okay there is no gentleness and respect it is slam bang slash hack chop like what in the world is going on we would never say the stuff we say on Facebook to the person directly but somehow we feel that gives us immunity and so we let our carnal nature just rip and it's causing destructive destructive damage May I remind us, along with the Apostle Paul, that our freedom in Christ is not to be used so that we annihilate one another with our tongues. If you look here in uh, Galatians chapter 5, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. I think that's what Facebook is providing. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But then it goes on and says this. Now, we like that part, right? But then it says this. What's directly after that? Here's the warning. But if you bite and devour one another, you could put Facebook right in there. Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is a strong warning from the Lord. And I think we've got to wake up to this and, and be careful with this. We need to be very careful to submit our tongues to the Lord as we proceed into this fall. Is that amen, anybody? Right? I don't know about you. I got to shut that thing down. I'm just as guilty of it as you are. And to do that, we must submit our thoughts. Right? Because the tongue only reflects what's going on in your heart. For it's out of the heart that these thoughts spring forth. So let's take a look again going into this fall. Okay? Three focus points. Number one, we need to remain steadfast. Number two, we need to remain united. And number three, we need to walk in a worthy manner. My question for us this morning, as you look at that list, all right, this is interactive here. 
As you look at that list, which one of the three is the Holy Spirit pointing out to you? Which one instantly going, yep, that one we got to work on? Which one do you need to work on and to cooperate with them? That's your assignment this week, is to work on the one he points out to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you as we go through this. We know this is gospel stuff right here. This is core stuff. This is not made up. This is not. This is right down the pike. Lord, and we know you said lots of things like this to your disciples. And so as your disciples, presently, currently, we, first of all, we're so sorry. Particularly, Holy Spirit, as I think through how you try to have, have tried to bring about holiness in my life and how many times I have, like an idiot, resisted you, ignored you, tried to put you off, treated it as light, not realizing you were actually trying to rescue me and help me. And I'm sure many of us in this room can identify with that. Lord, we seek you this morning. Would you help us? Would you help gird us up? Would you help us anchor in for tough times? Would you help us be stable and balanced and steadfast? Would you help us with our unity, Lord? And would you help us to walk and talk in a manner worthy of the sacrifice you did for us? We give that to you with great hope in your name. Amen. Amen. Stand with us as you're able. We're going to go out. We kind of had some fun. We revamped an old one, but we're going to go out proclaiming that it is sweet to trust in Jesus. Let's be steadfast in that together.
What are the three things? Remain steadfast, remain united, and walk in a worthy manner. You got your assignment? Do you know which one the Lord's pointing out to you? Don't forget, don't just walk out the door. Which one? Remain steadfast, maintain unity, walk in a manner. For me, anything. This is your job. This is your More job. than anything that you can do. I just want you.